0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here this morning. Feels more summary, doesn't it, than it has done at any other point this year, certainly. And uh, that always, well, I certainly find it lifts spirits, doesn't it, as we come. And it's great to be able to worship the God of creation together this morning. Uh, we have a verse of the year as a church. Uh, a verse that we are using to kind of help frame what we're doing this year and to reflect upon. It says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, these are words of Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what we're reflecting on this year and what we're focusing on is the fact that actually Jesus came with a specific purpose to bring us life, a fullness of life, an abundant life that enables us to enjoy all that God has created. But the reality is this life, this fullness of life, this abundant life that Jesus has come to bring can be stolen from us. It can be taken away so that we lose what God has brought to us. And the series that we are doing over the coming weeks is called this. It's called Miss It and Miss Out. Miss it and miss out. Miss what Jesus has come to bring and you miss out on so many good things. And what we're looking at is a number of stories that are told in the Gospels of people who actually met with Jesus, but for some reason didn't quite get it. And they miss it, and they miss out on the life that Jesus came to bring. And we're looking at this because what we don't want to do as we gather here week by week, or maybe you're here visiting us and it's your first time with us, what we don't want to do is miss out on the life that Jesus has come to bring. The testimony that I want to give this morning is that the best of life is with Jesus. And yet, there are things that can steal this away from us, even without us realizing it. Day by day, even for those of us who are Christians and have been Christians for many, many years, we can discover there are things that are stealing the life away that Jesus came to bring. And so what we're doing in this series is we're seeking to learn from people who missed it and miss out so that we do not miss it and miss out. We started last week with the story of the demon-possessed man who was healed by Jesus. He experienced a new life, a fullness of life through what Jesus had done. But the people amongst whom he lived, the Gerasenes, well, the words that they used, they were overcome with fear and they asked Jesus to leave. They pushed him away. And that's what we were looking at last week. But this week, we are looking at Herod and this particular situation and context where Jesus has been arrested and he comes to trial and we're looking at what happens there. I'm going to put a bit of context around this. But before I do, uh, what I wanted to start off by saying and showing is, is that sometimes what people do, what people seek to represent is not actually what the truth is. Uh, and I loved a video that I saw of, this is entitled for, from a dad who works in the movies and you see that they are in a playground here on a wooden boat, and his child is pretending on there. Watch what happens over the next few scenes. Uh-oh, it's starting to rain. Gotta go now. Quick, get in the boat. Okay, okay. (laughs) Whoa, it's really coming down. Hang on, I got it You know what I've told you about climbing on there? Oh, look out. Oh, your mom's gonna kill me. Let's see ya, buddy. Um. Oh my buddy, buddy, wait. is it? That's what a dad who works in special effects can do, uh, and is quite clearly taking normal everyday events that he's filmed and transforming them to completely, well, for a bit of fun, but it completely misrepresents what the truth actually is. And that's a helpful way of approaching this part of the passage that we heard. Jesus has been arrested, and he's been arrested by the Jewish leaders, the chief priests and teachers of the law. And they come to a council, and they want to hear testimony about Jesus, about who he says he is. And so these are the last verses of the previous chapter. And they come to Jesus, and they say, if you are the Christ, tell us. Is it because they really want to know, or because they're looking for a reason to accuse him? The answer is, they don't really want to know. They don't believe that he is. They're looking for a reason to accuse him they go on to say, are you then the Son of God? He replies, Jesus replies, you are right in saying I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. So the situation is the chief priests, the teachers of the law, they're bringing Jesus before them and they say, who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And Jesus is saying, well, actually, I am who you say I am. And they decide, we do not believe him. We want to get rid of him. But the problem they face is this. They cannot legally put someone to death. They are occupied as a nation by the Roman Empire. So they have to get the agreement of the Roman authorities in order for this to happen. And so what they're going to do is they're going to take Jesus before Pilate, who is the Roman authority who has the power to send Jesus to death. But what they're not going to do is they're not going to tell Pilate what the actual issue is. You see, their issue is that Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, if they come with that to Pilate, all that Pilate is going to see is this is some kind of religious dispute amongst the Jews, and he is not going to take it seriously. So what they have to do is they have to completely misrepresent the truth in order to get what they want. And that's what they're going to do. The whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, "'We have found this man subverting our nation.'" Some people say there are three charges, that's the first one. He opposes payments of taxes to Caesar, that's the second one, and claims to be Christ a king, a third one. Some commentators suggest that actually the first one is the general problem, so that we have found this man subverting our nation. And then these two are examples of that. So he opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ a king. Now, as soon as we look at that we can know that this is very different from what they're saying before, what has angered them. But also, they're trying to misrepresent the truth because Jesus has not, for example, the second one, he has not opposed the payment of taxes to Caesar. Some of you may know the story a few chapters earlier in Luke's Gospel, where what, uh, the, some people come to try and trick Jesus into saying the wrong thing tried to trick him into saying that they don't have to pay taxes, but Jesus asks to see a Roman coin, and he asks, whose figure is on that coin? And they say, well, it's Caesar. And he gives those words, well, pay to Caesar what is due to Caesar, and give to God what is due to God. So he never says, do not pay your taxes. And this third, this third claim against him, he claims to be Christ, a king. That was serious because there were all types of revolutionaries around who didn't like the fact that there was a Roman occupying force there. They wanted to get rid of the Romans. And so those who were setting themselves up as a king were a threat who needed to be dealt with. And so perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that within this misrepresentation, Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? Because if he is, that could be a serious problem. Jesus replies and says, yes, it is as you say. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for a charge against him. You see, that's the verdict at the end of all this. There is no basis for a charge against Jesus. And You might say, well, surely that should be the end of it in a matter of justice. But it isn't. They insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. They won't let it go. And Pilate, in probably quite a difficult situation here, sees a way out. Because they say that he started in Galilee and he has come all the way here. Started in Galilee means that Galilee is under the jurisdiction of someone else. And so he can send Jesus before Herod. And Herod is the one that I really want us to concentrate on this morning because he has the opportunity to be in the very presence of Jesus, to meet with him and question him. How is he going to handle that? What's going to go on? Is he going to realize who Jesus is or is he going to miss it and miss out? Well, we've heard the reason and the reading, and we know he misses it and misses out. But let's think a little bit more about why. And there are three things that we're going to talk about today: expectation, silence and priorities. And these are three things that I think we can look at and look at in our lives and say, how does it affect our ability to meet with Jesus so that we don't miss it and don't miss? Out. So, first of all, expectation. Some of you may be, when you go to different groups, may be aware. Sometimes you have um, icebreakers. We do them. Those of you that come to contact groups sometimes there's an icebreaker designed to just help us get into a conversation. And I've got a book of various possible icebreakers that people can use. And uh, one of the questions that they have there is um, to ask people who would you most like to meet and why? Uh, and you can do that by setting some restrictions. So what living person would you most like to meet and why? Maybe that's a question that if you are speaking to somebody you don't know over coffee time today, you might like to think about. Who would I most like to meet and why? Uh, reading some of the possible answers that people have given to that and it talks about sometimes politicians come up quite highly and Barack Obama was one who was very high on the list. Maybe some of you would think actually yes Barack Obama he would be a great person that I'd love to have an hour with to meet up with and to chat and to find out a bit more about him. Uh, they also talked within this survey about sports stars and um, Lionel Messi was top of that list of people that were saying I'd like to meet up Then there was some about pop stars and more general people. The Queen uh, came up there very highly in it. Different people that you'd like to meet up with and have an audience with and spend some time with. Who would it be for you? Well, some of you might know quite quickly. Others of you might think, I'd need to think about that for a while. But what we see in this story is that Herod has an opportunity to meet with Jesus and he is pleased about it. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a miracle. There you have it. Herod wanted to meet up with Jesus and spend time. Why? He hoped to see a miracle. He wanted to meet up with Jesus because of well, he wanted to be amazed at what Jesus could do. You see, I want to emphasize a problem here straight away. If we come to Jesus, approaching him because we say, we want to see something that will amaze us, we're approaching in the wrong way. Herod was coming, wanting to see a miracle. I've heard about Jesus. I'd love to see something amazing right here and now. See, he's missed what Jesus came to do. He's missed who Jesus is. He's only interested in what Jesus does, not on who he is. I was trying to think, what could that be like? And um I just came up, my mind was also thinking, because of course next Sunday morning we have Richard and Julie's wedding that's going to take place as part of our service here, which should be a a fantastic day. But I was thinking, what if somebody was approaching marriage and they thought, actually, I really want to marry this person because they're rich. Or or, I really want to marry this person because uh, they're a great cook. You know... These are the kind of things that people might approach. They're missing out on what it's about because marriage is not about what somebody else does for us. It's about the relationship that is there between two people. If we don't want to miss it and miss out on who Jesus is and what he does, we need to recognize that we come before Jesus not because of what he does, but because of who he is. We come not to experience the things that he does, but because he wants us to have a loving relationship with him. And as we experience that loving relationship, we discover the amazing things that he does. I hope you see the distinction that I'm making here, because it's not that Jesus doesn't do miracles. I believe Jesus does do miracles, and he still does amazing things today. But if we come and we approach saying, I want to see Jesus just do amazing things, we're missing out. We might see still Jesus do amazing things, but we miss out. Because actually, the primary thing about Jesus is not about the amazing miracles that he might do, the things that he will provide. It's about the fact that we can have a relationship with one who loves us. And as he loves us, and as he reveals his love to us, we're amazed at what he does. So let me ask you the question today as you come. Are you coming because you love Jesus and want to experience the wonder of being able to worship him? Or do you come saying, this is my agenda, this is what I want to see you do? Now again, don't mishear me. It's fine to come before Jesus and say, Lord, please help me in this situation. This is what I'd love to see. That's absolutely fine. That's a great thing to do. But we come primarily because he is the one who loves us. You see, otherwise, if we don't do that, what Jesus becomes, in effect, is he, he becomes an insurance policy. You know, uh, uh, in life, I want everything to be right. And there are some people who approach faith in this manner that they think, if I believe in Jesus, everything is going to be fine now. If anything goes wrong, I'll just pray and Jesus will put it right. It's like a heavenly insurance policy. But the reality and those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time will know that even when things go wrong and we pray, it doesn't make automatically everything all right the way we would have liked it to. But what we do discover is as we walk through those difficult times, we do not walk alone. Jesus is with us. And that gives us the strength to cope with things that we never thought we would be able to cope with. That's what it means to walk with Jesus. Herod missed it. Herod was coming just with, I want to see what Jesus can do. And you know what, as I was thinking about this, what that means? Herod was coming saying, I am in charge of my life. I just want to see Jesus as a bit of an add-on of what he can bring to me. It would be nice to see a miracle as well. And I thought that's how we can actually approach our faith sometimes. of I am in control of my life. I make my decisions in life. I will live how I want. And if there's a little bit of Jesus and what he can do to add into that, that's great. But actually, if we don't want to miss it and miss out, Jesus is all about, we're saying, Jesus, I want you to be in control of my life, not me. I want to follow where you lead me. I want to go on the paths that you have for me. And that's a totally different thing. Today, as we come, are we in a place where we are saying to God, I want you to be in control? Or are we here, if we're honest about it, saying, I'm in control, but I'm quite happy to have a little bit more of Jesus and see what he's doing as well with that. There's a difference between the two. And what he longs for us. And if we're not going to miss out on the abundant life that Jesus has come to bring. Life in all its fullness. We need to be people who say, I'm going to relinquish control of my life in order that I can follow Jesus and his ways. Where are you on that journey today? Are you in that place where you can experience fullness of life? What do you expect from your walk? With Jesus. What do you expect as you come here today? This is what you can experience Jesus who loves you and longs to experience you loving him back. The second thing silence. So, Pilate. Sorry, Herod. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. And then it goes on in verse 9 to say, he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. So there was Herod. Herod. He longs to have this meeting with Jesus, but when he gets there, not only does he not see a miracle, but when he talks to Jesus, when he asks him all sorts of questions, there is no reply. Imagine that, whoever you thought, I'd like to meet up with them, that's the person who I'd most like to meet up with. Imagine how you would feel if you met up with them and you asked them all sorts of questions and they gave no reply. Silence Is hard. And actually, sometimes that can be our experience with Jesus as we come in prayer. Sometimes we pray, and yet as we pray and we're wanting to see an answer, we're expecting to see something happen, and we can't work out what it is. And so all we're met with is silence. What happens in the silence? I wonder how many of us would have to say, as Christians, I've prayed, uh, and actually I've really sought God, uh, and there's been this moment where as much as I've tried to understand what he is saying, all I really hear seems to be silence. There's um, a book, C.S. Lewis and the Narnia series, and... um, I think there's a a, a lovely incidence of this which can help us to understand something more. And Cedric, uh, uh, sorry, um, Diggory, who is the hero of the story at this point, his mum is very ill, seriously ill. He's afraid she's going to die. And Aslan, the great lion, who seems to be able to do amazing things, uh, and there's magic fruit in the land of Narnia, and he thinks, if only I can take this fruit back to my mum, she will be healed. And so he asks Aslan permission for this. And this is what we read. He had been desperately hoping that the lion would say yes. He had been horribly afraid. It might say no. But he was taken aback when the lion did neither. When there's no response, it's natural to assume that God doesn't care. But Diggory asks Aslan for help again a little while later, and this is what he says. He thought of his mother, and he thought of the great hopes he had, and how they were all dying away. And a lump came in his throat, and tears in his eyes, and he blurted out, but please, please, won't you? Can't you give me something that will cure mother? Up till then, he had been looking at the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them. Now in despair, he looked up at his face, What he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life, for the tawny face was bent down near his own, and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big tears, compared with Diggory's own, that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about it than he was himself. And you see in that example, the lion doesn't speak, Aslan doesn't say a word. But the situation changes in that moment because, first of all, he's asked him and he had been hoping he would say yes for the fruit, terribly afraid that he would say no, but was taking a, taken aback when he heard nothing. And so he comes and he asks again. But this moment, he moves his gaze from the feet, from the claws of Aslan to his eyes, and then he sees The sorrow in the lion's eyes, and he can't help but wonder if actually, Aslan doesn't care more than he does. You know, the reality is that we can be met with silence at times. Maybe you have come in here today and you think, I would love to hear something from Jesus. Yeah, we talk about Jesus being alive. Jesus speaks today. I would love to hear, but all I hear is silence. How can I believe? Herod heard nothing. And so he decided that Jesus really was not worth bothering with. And that can be people's experience too. But what I want to say today is if you are hearing silence right now, can you lift your eyes? What does it mean to lift eyes? To lift eyes from the problem, to look to Jesus. And as we experience something of the presence of Jesus, the same can happen for us. We can discover that just maybe, just maybe, even though we can't hear him, even though we haven't heard him speak, Jesus cares more than even we do about the situation that is so concerning us. Because in that moment, we can experience the presence of Jesus and not miss out. You see, Herod misses out. says Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. They didn't treat Jesus with respect. Herod didn't. He just abandoned any thought of Jesus being worth meeting with. He missed it. He missed out. Let's make sure that when life is hard, when we're not hearing what we hope to hear, when things seem to be silent, let's not miss it and miss out. Let's see where Jesus is and what he is doing because he is there and he is part of all that we go through in life. <laughs> Just wanted to show these are some pictures as we move on to look at priorities that um, I saw in an article that was saying husbands who have had enough of shopping. Uh, And what they were doing, and these are pictures that were taken of various people who had perhaps spent longer on the shopping trip than they wanted. And the one on the right-hand side is um, somebody whose partner has texted along with that, I think someone's bored. Here's another couple of examples of people on shopping trips. And then um, maybe some camaraderie with a number who are just all waiting outside a shop. Wanting to be somewhere else, wanting to go home, had enough of the situation. Uh, And I wonder as we look at this and for Herod at this moment, you know, here is Jesus, he's been brought to him. What we read in verse 10, he's plied him with many questions. Jesus gives no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. You know, what they were saying is, do not let this man go. There was going to be no rest. And maybe Herod gets to that point where he says, I've just had enough. I want a quiet life. You know, we see something of the reaction of the chief priests and the teachers of the law keeping this on the agenda with Pilate. It was the same thing. Pilate says, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. They won't let it go. And sometimes that moment comes where people just want a bit of peace and quiet. I've had enough of the situation. I want the quiet life. I just wonder is this why Herod misses out at this moment? It just thinks, well, look, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of all that they are saying. And so it comes to that moment where what do I do? Well,. Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate, away from me. I just want a quiet life. I wonder if there's ever a danger that we can miss out on things because we say, actually, I just want a quiet life. You know, maybe the demands of what faith seems to call on us are more than we want to have. It's a beautiful, sunny day today, isn't it? Maybe. What if if I could go out and do something else? I don't need to be in church, do I? Lo, why not just enjoy the weather? The demands seem too great. I can do something at some other point. My priority might be elsewhere. See, it can happen so easily. Herod just pushed Jesus away. Away from me. My priorities maybe are for a quieter life. Maybe it's because he didn't think that Jesus was important enough. It says there in the first part of verse 11, then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. It can be translated slightly differently and the authorised version, the King James Version, says this, and Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him. Set him at naught. In other words, they had no value for him whatsoever. And that can say something about us. We can miss out on who Jesus is and what he's done for us because actually we don't value him highly enough. I'm okay. Jesus, well, he's all right to have a little bit alongside me sometimes when it's convenient. But he's not my main priority. See, is Jesus our main priority? Do we consider him important enough but we won't let him go. Is he at the center of everything? What's our priority? We have to think about where our priorities are. And maybe ultimately for Herod, for Pilate, maybe their priorities were more about what other people think rather than truth and justice. You know, here were the chief priests, the teachers of the law who wouldn't let it go. Do I want a quiet life? Yeah, I want a quiet life. Is Jesus really important? No, he's not. Do I care about just what these people are saying and getting them off my back? Yes, I care about them. And even to the point that Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, are reading this today, finished with this. Then that day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. At this moment, they cared more about what each other thought than truth and justice. And actually, that then leads us back to what are our priorities? Do we care more about what other people think than truth about Jesus and justice? Do we just want a quiet life? We want a nice, easy Sunday morning, enjoying the sun, rather than spending time in worship. Well, the fact that you're here suggests that that's not the case. But these are questions that we need to keep asking. What are our priorities? Is our priority... Truly Jesus. You see, it's so easy to miss it and miss out. Even when we do come to church, we can miss it and we can miss out on the presence of Jesus. When we have wrong expectations, we can miss who He is. When we come simply because we're looking at what we think He can do rather than coming to discover the truth of who He is. When we mistake silence because we can't hear anything for absence or a lack of care, we can miss out on who he is. When our priorities are wrong, we can miss out on who he is. Don't miss out. Jesus is the best. Jesus brings fullness of life. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. Don't miss out. Come and discover more of who he is. Come and discover Jesus even in the silence. Come and make him the center of everything you do today and each day. Don't miss it. Don't miss out. Experience the wonder of life that there is in Jesus. Amen.